Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rob. I am Cameron. Uh, and we are back after the Western Michigan game where uh, Michigan State beat them 90-46, to 46, Rod. Uh, so this one went quite a bit better than last year's game against Western. Um, what, what's your overall take coming out of this one? A lot of good stuff to talk about in terms of uh, really everyone on the team had had some sort of contribution for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, look, I, I, I know, and you've already, I've already seen it on the Spartan Mag board, the chorus of the clueless, that, oh, it's only Western. Well, here's the thing. When you play a bad opponent, and Western was that certainly after B. Artist White got hurt. I mean, let's not, and that happened very early, and once it happened, you saw why they were such a bad – we talked about it in the preview. This is a bad offensive team last year, and that was with B. Artis White. Without him, boy, it's a rough go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and you saw that. But but you know what? Here's the thing. When you're facing a bad team, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to pound them. Mm-hmm. That's what Michigan State did. I think in, in retrospect – I just posted this on, on that message board, but I'll, I'll say it here as well. I think in retrospect – when you look back at last winter, so the pre-Big Ten season, um, I, I, and I'm going to include myself in this category, but I think most MSU fans and most national analysts were fall into it as well, that people got blinded a little bit by the way that MSU handled Notre Dame, an ACC team, and went into Cameron and beat Duke. Um, but the way that they played against teams like Western and U of D – and Oakland actually should have, in retrospect, we can look back at it and say that should have told us yeah. that there was something not quite right with his team. Because I'm not knocking any of those programs, but let's be honest, those are teams you should handle fairly easily. Now, they ended up beating Western, I think, by 18 last year, but they pulled away, as I recall, they pulled away late. Very and, late, yeah. and it was And it was kind of a similar thing against U of D and Oakland, too. Those games were games. They were competitive far longer than they should be. And that was a sign. So at the very least, you should celebrate this, that they did exactly what they're supposed to do against a bad opponent. They blew them out. And as you say, pretty much across the board, guys made contributions. I mean, we're going to talk about it, and, and there's really almost everybody there are saying there are positive things we can we can mention in this game. And I think as a team, they did some of the things that I wanted to see. So yeah, overall, yeah. a really good night. And they played hard the whole time. Yes, you know there was no let up. Um, yep. And I guess I guess you'd start at Gabe Brown. Uh, he's the leading scorer. Um, 23 minutes, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 5 for 10 from the floor. He missed all three three-pointers, uh, but hit all of his free throws, 7 for 7. 
uh, steal and a couple turnovers. And, and, and honestly, he probably should have been better than that. He missed. He had a couple of really strange, inexplicable misses at the rim where he just sort of lost control of the ball. Um, and as you say, 0 for 3 on threes, you'd expect a shooter like Gabe on a bad night is going to hit one of those. So he probably should have broken 20. Uh, but, I, yeah, I mean, there was a lot to like about his game. Four offensive rebounds. And, again, I understand. Small opponent, not a great opponent. I don't care. You rebound that way against anybody, and you've at least worked. And mm-hmm. I thought Gabe played very, very hard. So that was that was encouraging to see. After the Kansas game, you know, he was kind of in and out, which is what we've said a lot about Gabe Brown over his career. Yeah. Um, this is the Gabe Brown they need, one that's energetic and engaged. He only played 23 minutes. You know, that's the thing. You look up and down the roster, the guy that played the most minutes is Max Christie at 28. Gabe yeah. was second at 23. That's not how it's going to be, I don't think, as we as maybe even starting next week against Butler. Um, but, but, you know, the productivity on a per-minute basis, really good. Yeah, and that's what's so – encouraging about Jaden Aiken's performance because, I mean, they are a little thin at the wing. I mean, if you had to say you oh, know, a lot a, thin. kind of an area. Yeah. Don't, don't mince words. A lot thin. <laughs> but, I, but I think I'm with you. Go, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we'll get to Jaden Aiken's in a second. But, yeah, what did you think of Max Christie? Um, six points, six rebounds, though, two assists, uh, one for six for three for the block. I think everything except shooting the ball, he was great. Yeah. And and those shots were all good shots. They looked good. MSU did not shoot the ball well from three. They were four for 19 on the night as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have zero problem, and I can't imagine Izzo would as well. Um, they took great shots, and a lot of those were just in and out. They were, you know, they're going to go. You get that quality of shot, they're going to go. So I was I was pleased with the way Max Christie played despite his not hitting shots. As you say, six rebounds, that's important. He had two assists. He had a block. I thought he was pretty engaged defensively. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those are, and, he, and he's unflappable. Stephen Bardo, who's the color guy tonight, made mention of it at one point. He said, you can't tell if he's mad. You can't tell if he's happy. I think that's true. And, and I think... I think that's something that, you know, you always want some emotion, and Michigan State teams generally play with a lot of it. But at the same time, for this team, he made this, Bardo made the same comment about Gabe Brown, and I think that's true as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you need some guys to be level-headed and with this team. I, I think that's a, a, an approach that's going to serve them well. Yeah, there are times to be emotional, and we'll see it. Guaranteed we'll see it out of these guys. But I like the demeanor early on. Yeah. Max Christie is definitely at the top of the chart in that regard. So we really were two games in, and Max really hasn't broken out yet. It's coming. If mm-hmm. I were Butler, I'd be nervous. Because I, he's I, got an offensive explosion coming. He, it's he's a matter of time. A really good feel for spacing. Yes. That one three, I think, was it the one? I think one of the threes he hit. You could see him kind of just shift over just a little bit on the on yep. the elbow, just to give him enough space to get that off. Like that's pretty good for your second game, just being able to feel. I yeah. mean, that's a natural thing he's got there. This is what 
you know, people talked about in regard to him, that apart from his skills, which are considerable, he's a very smart basketball player. And I agree with you. You see evidence yeah. of his basketball IQ show up a lot. Mm-hmm. So better better things to come from him, but not a bad night. Yeah. Uh, so then at uh, point guard, Tyson Walker, 20 minutes, nine points, uh, a rebound, five assists, um, hit that three at the end of the half um, that was – Really nice. And a block and a steal, but three turnovers. Uh, that number is unfair, and so are the assists. Um, I didn't count them, but I will guarantee you he got – assist counting is much like fast break points. Mm. It can be a little questionable at times because, for example, if a guy takes a dribble after you pass to him, technically – that's not supposed to be an assist. Mm-hmm. Practically speaking, it gets credited as an, as an assist a lot. And he had a number of those. He also had a number of plays which should have been assists that Michigan State blew the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his three turnovers should not have been a turnover. And Izzo was laying into the officials when he dribbled the ball off his foot. Uh, Michigan oh, State yeah. did get it back. That was not a turnover. That's That's just a horrendous call. That's just not... That's not the rule. Um, it wasn't a kick. <laughs> he tripled it off his foot. Mm-hmm. So his numbers were even better. His game was even better than those numbers suggest. I liked his game. It's not where it needs to be yet. There were still some instances. There was one early in the second half, and I'm going to bet it's why he got pulled. It happened in the first four-minute stretch where the, the ball came to him in the corner. He was wide open. He didn't pull the trigger. Instead, he tried to extend the play, dribble out, and then ended up committing a real and actual turnover. Yeah. Um, and he got yanked at the next stoppage of play, and A.J. Hogard came in. I'll guarantee you that's what it was for. I was encouraged, though, because it was better than we've seen in either the exhibitions or the Kansas game. He was more aggressive. He needs to continue down this path. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when he's in there, I have a comfort level in their half-court offense that I do not have with Hogard. Now, Hogard did some nice things tonight there. He made, we'll talk about, when we talk about him, he made the best play of his MSU career, in my opinion, tonight. And it wasn't on a basket that he had. Um, but I'm still not there yet. Uh, Tyson Walker is the guy they've got to have playing at a high level if their half-court execution is going to be as good as it needs to be. I did really like what he did defensively in this game. Um, And again, we know the opposition, blah, 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 whatever. I evaluate, I can only evaluate what I see. And what I saw tonight is evidence of the guy that I think I've been expecting on the defensive end. He can apply ball pressure without taking chances in a way that MSU hasn't had at that position in a while. Yeah. Tom Tom Nairn could do some of that. But but Walker is, I think he's a guy who's going to take a toll that way on opposing guards before this season's through. I can see it coming because it just it it saps you of not just physical energy but mental energy. It, it, it's not that you're you're trapping against somebody, trying to force turnovers, but you just wear them down. Yeah. Um, and he's capable of doing that in a way they really haven't had in a long time. Something you constantly got to think about that hand yes. coming in and slapping it away. Yep. 
Exactly, and and I think that's um, that's going to be something that we're really going to grow to appreciate from Tyson Walker. Uh, but I, I think it was a, definitely a positive step for him, definitely. It, and he also had that lob pass. Uh, yep. And I, I don't know what games Bardo has been watching, but he seemed to think Gabe Brown does that every single game. Uh, we haven't seen that those type of lobs. Well, I, I think that um, – and they did have some – I think they had one on the Kansas game, but it was Hogard. I think these two guys are – you're right about that. It was one thing that for whatever reason, Cassius just was never really able to connect on very well. They haven't had a guy that effective throwing lobs, again, in a while. And I think both of these guys have shown signs that they're going to be better in that area. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah I they'll think get positive... like the, the lobs, like the slip lobs and stuff to Bingham and stuff, but not not like baseline. That's to the no exact high feeds. High feeds yeah. is what we're talking about. No, Cassius was great at the lobs where he'd be in the lane and he'd find X or whoever. You know, yeah. that that he was fantastic at. But we're talking about very specifically high feed lobs from say the top of the key area. Mm-hmm. That's something that used to be a huge staple of Michigan State basketball. I mean, yeah. you know, go back to the Elite Eight game against Iowa State in 2000, the championship year, and watch Mo Cleaves and, and Mo Peterson connecting on that in a very big moment, if you want a highlight. Yeah. Uh, but they used that was regular. It was, you know, when Richardson was here, and Shannon Brown, and Mo Ager, all yeah. those guys. That was a staple of MSU basketball. And it has been missing. Despite the fact that even when Miles was here, they didn't they didn't do no. it a lot. Not successfully. They would try, but the execution was always off. So yeah, good sign because they've got guys that can go get it. I mean, it, Bainham just because of his length, Brown because of his length and his leaping ability, Jay Nakins. I mean, they, I think Max Christie. They've got some guys you can use that way if uh-huh. the passes are there, if they're accurate and on time. And so good signs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joey, 22 minutes, uh, 12 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, uh, four for eight, uh, two for four from three, hit both of his free throws, a block, two steals. Really wow. good. Really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's the Joe. And what I liked about him is, as much as anything, is I thought he played a very smart game. If you remember mm-hmm. heading into last season, that's what it is. I've compared him to Draymond Green in terms of his, his understanding. And we really didn't see that very much last year. We saw Joey Hauser that just, for the most part, there were exceptions, but for the most part just seemed out of sync a little bit. Um, tonight he was very much in sync. Uh, he had a pass. He whipped out across the court to Gabe Brown. Now, Gabe missed the shot, if I recall correctly. But the pass was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, inc- I'm not using that word lightly. It was incredible. The vision and the execution – to get it there as quickly as he did cross court um, was really really impressive. And then he had a number. He had a high low. I think with with Marble, it was mm. really nice. He just he played he played well. He played smartly. He played within the offense. What they want to do. The twelve rebounds was great to see. Um, just a really you know two for four from three. That's nice. He was the only guy who was really dialed in. Mm. Um, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then Marky, 
18 minutes, 12 points, 8 rebounds, 5 for 7 from the floor, 2 for 3 from the line, 2 blocks, 2 steals, 2 yeah. turnovers. I, you know, his first half was crazy good. Second mm. half, he didn't do as much. I, I want to say he had 10 and 7 in the first half. Um, and then the second half, he didn't he didn't produce quite as much. But you really like the way he played in this game. Because you know what? He had a huge size advantage, and he went out there and played the way that you want a guy with a huge size advantage to play. He mm. looked to take Western inside. And he did that and was successful. And I think it was um I think it was a, another really nice game from him. Now again, eighteen minutes. I don't I'm hopeful, but that's not a sign of where Michigan State thinks he is in terms of conditioning and they don't think he can go more than that. I'm hopeful that this is about, you know, just these early games parsing out the minutes, but the fact that it was that way against Kansas, too, does make me wonder. I would like to see Marcus Bainham edging up more toward 24, 25. That would be my hope because I think he and, – and I'm giving full credit to Julius Marvel, who I thought played a solid game again. Uh, Mati Sissoko did some things tonight, limited minutes. Uh, but I think Michigan State is a different team with Marcus Bainham out there at both ends. They are a different team. And I really do think they need more of him in terms of minutes than we've seen thus far. I would just like to see it edge up a little bit. I'm not crazy. Yeah. Uh, we're never going to see 30 minutes tonight from Marcus Bingham. But get me, you know, at least four or five more minutes than we're seeing thus far, and I think that's going to bode well. That's if he's capable of doing it. His own uh-huh. staff know better than anybody. They may really be of the feel, of the mind that he's not capable. And that would be unfortunate, but if that's how it is, that's how it is. But I've, I've been very happy with the way he's played now. This was a different kind of challenge, too. Um, you know, Western, let's be honest, Michigan State's had big men in the past who have struggled in these kind of games with smaller, quicker opponents. Marcus did not, and it, it helped that Titus Wright got in foul trouble, like, immediately. Yeah. Uh, but that was But Marcus drew those fouls. Yeah. So... Uh, so Malik Hall comes off the bench, 20 minutes. Uh, he gets eight points, three rebounds, three for six on the floor. And missed all three of his three-pointers, um, but hit a couple yeah. free throws. He didn't do a lot statistically in the second half, but in the first half, I really liked his game. Uh, he had that play early in transition where he Euro-stepped. Yeah. That's, that's something we haven't seen a lot from Malik Hall, and it's a good sign that he's feeling confident, um, and that he can do so. I mean, we all know he's a versatile guy. He's capable of doing a lot of things to help you win. Uh, I did not think he was very good against Kansas. He was a lot better tonight, and that needs to continue. If if Michigan State can get this Malik call, this Joey Hauser at the four, in pretty good shape. Yeah. And Joey's going to pitch in a little on the wing as well. Or I'm sorry, Malik will. Um, that's that's going to help things a lot. Uh, and then uh, A.J. Hoggard, 18 minutes, 7 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, uh, 3 for 5. Uh, I, will, I, will, I will tell you, um, we saw similar things to what we saw against Kansas and him, you know, looking to get the ball to the rim and, and take contact and convert and all that. And that's all nice and that's, that's good. I don't pretend otherwise. But to me, the most impressive thing I saw him do all night and maybe in his MSU career was there was a play – 
think it was I think it was in the second early ish in the second half where he broke down the defense, got into the lane, and had a wrap around to Bingham. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a different level of play than we have seen from him, and this is why I think that. My concern with Hogard, for as much as he's shown early on, is that most of what has made him effective is in two areas. It's in transition, both for himself and passing the ball ahead for others, and that, that matters, and, and then it's getting the ball to the rim himself. What you haven't seen as much of is him really making plays for others, the offense running like clockwork. Um, and the reason that matters is as they progress this season, as they get into the Big Ten, those opportunities to get to the rim and finish are not going to be there as often. They're not going to be as easy when he does get there mm-hmm. because he's going to be going against you know monsters inside. We've talked about it a lot already. That's on top of the fact that it's just going to be tougher to get there against yeah. Big Ten defenses. Transition opportunities we know are not going to be as frequent. Um, you know, so all of these things I think are true, and that's why I, I am very much. And I'm still on on the you know of the of the feeling of the posi- in the position that Tyson Walker needs to be the guy, and I think he showed a lot of signs of that tonight. I was impressed, especially with his first half, the way the offense, like the last six seven minutes of the half, the way the offense clicked with him out there. But I will say this: if we start to see more moments like the one we just talked about from Hogard then you really got something. Because that's the kind of thing I haven't seen enough of from him. You know, and it's, yeah. they need it. That's what. That's the kind of thing they have to have. They also need him to be efficient in pick and roll. And it's going to be harder for him because people aren't going to respect him as a shooter until he makes them. So that makes it more difficult. You can still find ways to play it well. Think back to Xavier Simpson. You know, when he really struggled as a shooter but was still pretty effective in pick and roll. Hogard's got to take a page out of that book because I, I just am not convinced he's going to be a good enough shooter to force defenses to really respect him. But mm-hmm. um, that play to me was a hopeful sign, much more important to me than the points he scored tonight. Yeah. It was that, you know. Uh, and then Jaden Akins, 16 points – or I'm sorry, 16 minutes, 9 points, Three rebounds, uh, an assist, four for five, um, um, <laughs> a free throw, a steal. You know, his first his first five points were kind of you know grit points, like he was he was working on the offensive boards, whatever, right place, right time. You know, hit a layup, you know, got a free throw. That that was all fine. But later in the second half, he had a sequence very quickly where he. Um, he had an offensive rebound for a dunk that showed you why. I mean, I've talked about it. Um, if you consider him a point guard, and I think eventually he will be a guy that they'll use on ball. They haven't done it a lot yet because they're, you know, it's Walker and Hogard they're working with, but um, he has athletic horsepower unlike anybody they've had at that position in the Izzo era for sure. That play is really where it just absolutely popped out. Like, whoa. You saw it. Yep. It was really, really, really impressive. And it goes along with his mentality generally. This is a kid 
who is going to be a factor on the boards. We talked about the way Max Christie rebounded. Gabe Brown was great tonight. Um, so was Jade Nakins, two offensive rebounds and, and the one for the putback. But then very shortly after that, he had a play that I've seen him make a lot in high school and in AAU. Tonight was the first time he did it successfully at Michigan State where he used his handle to create space for about a 15, 16-foot jumper and just drained it. Yeah. That, to me, was a sign, the fact that he tried to make that play and he converted it of improved confidence and being more comfortable. And I think it's a matter of time with Jade Nakins. Mm. And when it happens, when that when that comes into play, um, the Big Ten is going to have a problem on its hands because Jade Nakins has both athleticism and um, and skills enough to make himself a really – really difficult opponent to deal with. Mm-hmm. So small, this is what I'm talking about. That that Those two plays apply no matter who the opponent is. They'd apply if he was going up against walk-ons in practice, honestly. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's why this, oh, it's only Western. Shut up. It doesn't, you're not paying attention to the right <laughs> things. You know? Yeah, nobody's doing cartwheels because they want to gain by a lot of points. But it's individually, it's these moments it's it's the things that they show themselves being capable of doing. That's what matters about it. And and Jade Nakins is a prime example of that the way he played tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, there's going to be some exciting plays coming out of him. Yep, there's no doubt in my mind after that. Well, that. you talk about those the high feed lobs. That's another guy. Yeah, they can that, run that for. And they they almost got that. Can. He almost. I thought he was going to throw that one down. He brought it down and then laid it up, which was actually probably yep. the smart thing to do. Yep. But or just got that to even attempt that tells you what they know he can do. Yep. Uh, so marble, fourteen minutes, five points, six rebounds, two for five, a uh, couple blocks and a steal. Yeah, you know, I, I, he didn't score as much as he did against Kansas. But I'm okay with the way Julius played. The six rebound, you know, that's two straight games where he's he's kind of hung in there on the boards. And they need that out of him. You know, if he's going to be the backup and he's going to play those minutes, um, you know, what did he play tonight? He played 14 minutes. Um, they need that kind of production from him. I thought defensively, you know, again, smaller opponent, you might think, that you'd be tested again. Titus Wright was in foul trouble, so that helped. But um, you know, so far so good from Julius. I still, you know, with, the tale is going to be told over, you know, multiple weeks and games with mm-hmm. him. But but so far in these first two games, he's shown me at least some signs of being improved enough defensively and and on the boards to make him worthy of those minutes. And that's a good thing because. You know, Sissoko still has a world of potential, and he shows you flashes like he did tonight, but we know he's not quite there yet. My hope is that they get him there by Big Ten time, you know, by January, February, that he's ready to play a larger role and is more consistent in his production. But, you know, until then, they need Julius Marble to be a guy who can hold it down. Marble looked like he's getting a lot more comfortable in the pick and roll. Um, yeah, he's setting good picks. Get, he looks like yep. the timing's on. That, and that's you know, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought tonight 
they showed much, much better than they did against Kansas. Now, again, you yeah. could say opponent, but, but in terms of execution stuff, timing of picks, timing of a guard going, all that's tough to do, and it matters, and I agree with you. That's another area where, you know, I think we were all very quick to think, well, Julius Marble, you look at his size, you look at, you know, the the what appeared to be the athletic versatility, and you think, okay, maybe this guy can be another Xavier Tillman type or some facsimile thereof. But those areas, defense, rebounding, setting picks, having an understanding of how, of how the offense needs to function, those are all things that made Xavier Tillman the player that he was. Mm-hmm. Julius Marble's actually probably a little better offensive player. He's a better post, has a better post game. And I'd say certainly at a similar point in their careers, he's probably a little more consistent jump shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's those other areas, he hasn't even been close. But if he continues to show this kind of gradual improvement, yeah, it's going to make this whole thing function better. I think Bainham has become a vastly improved screener, by the way. Mm-hmm. Vastly. Um, he's, he's not ever going to be Tillman, but much, much better than he used to be. And so those things are all going to matter. Believe it. Yeah. Uh, and then Matty Sissoko, eight minutes, uh, 3.2 rebounds, uh, hit a free throw and a block. Yeah, the, but the play that you really had to love was that post move. I mean, oh, it was, yeah, it was nice for his bucket. Yeah, that was that was perfect. You know, he, he carved out position and and didn't hesitate, and it looked smooth. I mean, that that is what you want to see. And, and again, with him, it's going to come, I think, in fits and starts. And I hope that they're in position where they can continue to give him, you know, these spot minutes. I would imagine that is the plan. I hope so, because I think that's going to help him you know, I'm not advocating playing him for development purposes. That's not Izzo's game plan, and, and I don't think it's smart. Um, but I, I hope that he's able to continue to earn a couple of turns here and there because I think that's going to help his slope of improvement. And, you know, he boy, he shows all the signs, doesn't he? I mean, he's active. He obviously gives you an ability to protect the rim. And if he can continue to hone that post game and make make moves like that, you got something. And I think we're going to see yeah, it. Eventually. He runs the floor hard, too. Yep. That's Dang. what I mean. The effort that, level is always there. And, and he'll be coming in when, when players are right at the <laughs> at the edge of their fatigue level on the other team. And then they got to yep. come in and he just runs like a deer down the Yep. <laughs> yep. No, I agree. And it also helps. I think it's what can help him be if, if he can get to the point that he's able to play consistently larger amounts of minutes, um, it can help him be a really, really good rebounder because he's got length, he's he's an explosive enough athlete, he's very strong, he's tough, we know all that, but his work rate, his motor, that's, that's what you can't really teach, mm-hmm. I don't think. I, I think guys tend to inherently kind of be that way, and, and he is, and that's going to help him. As, as to be that kind of force. Yeah. It, it, he he has the ability to come in against some of these bigger guys in the Big Ten and just frustrate them, if nothing else. Well, and, that, and, and as we've spent a lot of time talking about already and we've yet to play a Big Ten game, uh, that is going to matter because you are night in, night out going to see these behemoths 
And, you know, Michigan State, fortunately, as of yet, these first two games, we haven't had to deal with anybody being in really serious foul trouble. The closest to that was when Tyson Walker got two against Kansas in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the big men yet, but we know it's coming. So you're, And that's apart from just fatigue and you know, all the other reasons why you want to play guys. But having a third guy that you can trust for at least in short stints to throw in there against a Coburn or a Dickinson or you know, mm-hmm. Purdue guys – that's a that's a nice card to play. There are not a lot of you know. I won't say yet that Michigan State's fives are are ranked at the top of the conference yet by any stretch as a group. That is that position is way too deep in this league to say that. But they're getting better, and I don't know if I believe that there are many teams that have a third center certainly with the potential of a Monty Sissoko. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and then Pierre Brooks got in there. Um, I believe he, I don't think he saw any time in the Kansas game. Uh, he didn't. He didn't play six, against Kansas. Six minutes. He had the the speaking of Xavier Simpson. He kind of had that running hook shot. Um, yeah, that was pretty sweet looking. It was a nice move. It was a nice move. And he, look, he's a he's a very smart player. The the deal with Pierre is just it's it's going to take some time for him to uh, to get comfortable. I think um, that's that's one thing. Uh, I think he's still trying to round himself into shape athletically um, or conditioning-wise, I mean. You know, he's getting better, but I think that still needs to come. And then, of course, what's going to be the determining factor for him is how well he can defend. But uh, you saw a couple of really smart, clever plays, and that finish was one of them. And that's ultimately what's going to make him be a very effective player at Michigan State, in my opinion. It's a matter of time Mm. with him. I, I still I have absolutely no reason to believe that he's not going to be a very good player in time at Michigan State, just a matter of when. All right. Well, that about covers it for the players. Um, Keys, dribble penetration defense. Without the artist White, there wasn't a whole lot of options for them yeah. to penetrate. I mean, they were they were good, but it's – it's really hard to evaluate it because the one guy that's capable of creating that for them, you know, wreaking a little havoc, got hurt in what I think it was the first. Well, they got him. What do they have him credited with? Yeah, four minutes played. So it was in the first five minutes. You know, yeah. Um, I, I think Stephen Bardo might have been right that there was that that play where he had a steal on the sideline and took it in for a layup, and it, it looked like something happened on the layup. Um, he made it, but he was, it was a few minutes, he played a couple minutes after that, but then, you know, you saw him when Tyson Walker was taking the ball down the lane and he just kind of stopped moving and clearly was hurt. And he went to the locker room and never came back into the game. That's a, that's a huge deal for Western for their season. Obviously, I don't know the severity of it. Uh, I did not realize, and they talked about it on the broadcast, apparently he had been hurt in the preseason and has only been back to practice for like a week, 10 days, something like that. So it's possible that it is a residual issue. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know enough. But, yeah, you know, I'm, look, Mich- you can only play against the guys you're playing against. And so Michigan State did a very good job, generally speaking, of keeping people in front of them. You know, Western ended up shooting 10 free throws. So they didn't draw many fouls. And in the second half, I don't think Michigan State picked up their second-team foul 
until like the seven minute mark. It was something like that. It picked up a few late, but um, it was uh, they, they they didn't really do any damage that way. Yeah, but yeah, only you know, twelve again, personal fouls that, in this game. Yeah, yeah. You know, we know again that they uh, they weren't tested the way we had expected them to be tested. Uh, and then turnovers, it looked ugly at the beginning, but it did settle down eventually, which what looks like 13. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but much, much better in the second half. Um, you know, and Michigan State was, this is the thing, I think Michigan State was playing pretty fast. So it, it kind of also blows the doors off a little bit, this notion that, well, they commit a lot of turnovers because they're constantly trying to push the ball. Well, they were pushing tonight. And yeah. after a bad start, and again, it was it was some of them at least were were these, these plays where it just was a it was a lack of concentration. Um they weren't really, you know, instances where Michigan State was really trying to make a big play and just missed or there were a couple of those, but a lot of them were of the variety, you know, Gabe got called for a couple of travels, which, frankly, I thought, given the way they've supposedly changed the enforcement this year, I thought were bad calls. There were a lot of bad calls tonight, by the way. Um, not that it mattered, but just if you're evaluating the way that a crew handles their business, these guys were not good. Um, in a closer game, you would have been much more frustrated, I guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, but there were just some, just still too many of the, you know, WTF variety. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a play where AJ just dribbled into a steal. Tyson had one of those. You know, they just got to be sharper. They got to be better. Yeah. How's but, it but kind of cutting, cutting across the court? Well, that ended up not being that ended up not being a turnover. Oh, they, was that they, not? Yeah, they gave him the ball back. They had originally called it. And I'm not sure what the basis was of them reversing that call because, honestly, that was one I thought it looked like they got right. Yeah. Because he did trip over Marvel and the ball went out of bounds, so I'm not sure why they changed it. But maybe oh. maybe, maybe Marvel got pushed. I didn't see enough of it to know. But um, anyway, better. Mar- mm-hmm. We'll call it marginal improvement there. Yeah. Uh, the third key was Walker. Better. You know, as we talked about, um, I think I think Tyson is slowly starting to get it, what Michigan State needs out of him. I thought that play to end the half was, that was the best good. we've seen from him. Yeah. Right? Well, pick and roll, gets himself, the three is available, and he just, no hesitation, just nails it. And And I thought he was a little more insistent at kind of probing the defense, looking to get to the rim, um, encouraging. Not mm. nearly where he's got to be for this team to really compete in the Big Ten, but it, it showed progress. And again, I'm not talking about, well, does he have the capability to do these things? I know he does. This mm. is about mindset. I still think he's a little too focused, and you saw it in a couple of instances tonight. He's still a little too focused at trying to get other people involved, and but not even in a... Even that's a misnomer because it's not like you're seeing him, um, you know, try to uh, try to create a play for somebody else. It's more that he's just willing to shuffle the ball along. I'd be okay if if 
he was getting in the lane instead of taking a layup. He was looking to feed a teammate for a shot. But yeah. it's not even as, as much that. It's just a little more passivity than you need. But but he showed improvement. So yeah. we'll we'll give it a check mark for that. Uh, defend the arc. Uh, they were only five for twenty eight from three point, but twenty eight is quite a bit of uh, shots up. Yeah. It, it, look, I I mentioned that when you looked at what these guys have done in their previous stops, or even the handful of guys that are back. Uh, it added up to me to be a team that's going to rely on the three a lot. And so I'm not, you know, they only took, I think, 18 or 19 against Hope. But as I think I mentioned it in the preview, they're playing a Division three school. So they probably went inside a lot more. Tonight you figured the odds were going to be better that you saw them um, look to take more threes because, frankly, they were going to have to. And that was before Beardis White went down. When he got hurt, Look, it, it became obvious that was the only way they were going to generate points mm-hmm. was was via the three. And Michigan State guarded it pretty well. They should have because there wasn't a lot of other threat out there to deal with. And, you know, five for 28 is a pretty good defensive number. So, as I mentioned, the, the, the key to me in this game mostly about that was just that they showed balance, that they were able to not let Western go crazy from three. Uh, while still keeping them out of the lane. Mm-hmm. And they did that. Now, we know part of the job was made a lot easier, but they were, remember, they were four for their first eight. So yeah. that means they were one for 20 after those first, whatever it was, eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty dismal stuff. You would like to think you'd hit a couple more than that just, just based on luck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, fifth key was transition. Yeah, you know, um, I, I thought pretty good. Now, I'm, I'm pulling up the stats here for MSU. Let's see what they got credited with. Well, they got credited with 25 fast break points. And, again, I don't trust that stat, but in this case, I think it, it matches well what my eyes told me. Mm-hmm. Michigan State was pretty insistent in getting the ball up court, and, of course, they dominated on the glass. I mean, I don't know what the final rebounding margin was. So they had they had 58 total rebounds to Western's 28-30 and 18-12 to 12 on the offensive boards. Uh, by the way, Michigan State had like a, like a 56% offensive rebounding rate, which is crazy good. Wow. Um, but again, you'd expect it because this was a smaller team and their best big man was in foul trouble. Um so I, I think that uh, in terms of of pushing tempo, the equation was there. They controlled the glass. They were insistent on it. Both point guards, I think, looked like they had the right mentality. I thought everybody else ran the floor reasonably well. So the intent was there, which is all you can really ask for in a game like this. Yep, and the, and the big got involved in it a couple times too. Yep. Yep. I'm running. Yep. What you have to see, that's that's vintage Michigan State basketball. Well, uh, you know, any final thoughts on this one? Really balanced uh, game offensively. Just a, yeah, just a, a, a nice, solid performance um, out of Michigan State. You know, you don't go crazy with it. 
because you understand all the reasons why you don't. But um, that also doesn't mean that you disregard everything that you saw. I think there were a lot of good things on display tonight. And, and again, that comes on the heels of a Kansas game where, yes, there were problems, but as we talked about, there were positive things as well. And I thought that those positive things, you know, the way they got into transition and the way that the bigs played, I thought those things were showing up again tonight. So that's good. Um, you know, it gets tougher. Uh, the next game they've got – now, the, the nice thing is they've got a few days off, which isn't always the case at this time of year. Uh, yeah. But they, they're off until Wednesday uh, where they'll go to Indianapolis and play at Butler as part of the um, uh, Gavitt, oh, Gavitt, God. Games. Gavitt games. Yeah, I was trying to think of Dave Gavitt's name. Yeah, the, the Gavitt games. Um, Michigan State has only played in it once, and most people will probably remember it. It was in uh, the 1920 season where they, <laughs> they had some heroics from Malik Hall, Cassius Winston, uh, to pull out a big win over a very good Seton Hall team in their building. And Michigan mm. State is on the road again. Oh, that's right. That was Gavitt. Yep. That was okay. the first time they played in the event. Um, I am on record as not being a fan of the Gavitt games, and I really hope it does get scrapped. Because with the Big Ten moving to 20 conference games, that's two more games than you used to have guaranteed against high major opponents. And then the problem is, on top of that, MSU is locked into the Champions Classic. They're locked into the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And you know that every year they're going to play at least two, more often three games, in a holiday tournament. That's a lot of high major games. And I, I am not advocating for a, a Jim Beheim style schedule where you play tomato cans 11 times. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but Michigan State has plenty of high major games already that they're locked into every single season. So adding one more to that, I don't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not making the schedule. So they will go to Hinkle Fieldhouse, which I'm sure you're going to hear Tom Izzo make a big deal out of because this is exactly the kind of thing that appeals to him, the history of the game. And, you know, I think he'll he'll make it a big deal for his team. You know, and Butler wasn't great last year. Um, we'll see what they've – I haven't really dialed into Butler just yet. Um, They're 2-0 ex- so far. They won the night. But. Yeah, I would expect it to be a challenging game if for no other reason than you're playing a Big East team on the road in a building where they're historically very, very good. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the equation right now for, for MSU going in there. That's going to be a tough game to win. And it would be a good win if they can get it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get the preview up for that one. Uh, uh, probably Monday or so, maybe Tuesday. Yep. And until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.